up, everybody? How you doing this morning? So good to look around and see so many familiar faces and also so many new faces. Uh, I hear from the staff how uh, awesome things are going at the Gulfport campus and at the Long Beach campus, but I'm always up in Wiggins, and so to come here today and actually experience the morning with you is really exciting, and I'm very honored to be on this stage to, to finish up, um, or not to finish up, but to continue our series, and we're working into Easter. How many are you excited about Easter? You got your Easter outfit picked out and uh, ready for next week? How many of you invited some folks to church next week? Anybody here, you invited some folks? They're waiting. They're sitting there at their house right now waiting for you to invite them no kidding they really are they're like twiddling their thumbs like man I hope they invite me to church and so today that's your mission right is to invite them for next week but this sermon series message series that we have been in for the last several weeks red letter day is is looking at the last words of Jesus as he hung on the cross and uh, I believe that not only is it important that we understand these words because we, we do see that Jesus was very calculated and methodical in everything he said and did and I believe it's important we realize that that he didn't just say things what he said we've got to grab a hold of it and it's important that we understand those but also as we've seen each week it's important that we apply these same things to our lives same principles to our lives and I believe we're going to get some help today I really do I believe you're going to get some help some hope and you're going to leave here today a little bit different than you came in today is that what you came for? Come on, come on, Pastor Van, thanks for allowing me to speak today. And some of you, I, don't, I haven't met some of you yet. My name's Mike. I am a staff pastor here, and uh, I love being on the team. I love one church, three locations, and look forward to the days when we can say one church, so many locations, we can't count them. You know what I'm saying? And uh, that means Jesus is everywhere, right? And, uh, and so, hey, let's jump in here. Look, a couple of weeks ago, we started this message series week one where we looked at the words of Jesus when he said why have you forsaken me and what we learned that day we walked out of here with this idea that 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 God is good and that's just something you know in your in your darkest midnight and and stuff's crashing in on you you got to remember God is good not only that but God is for me and God is with me and then the next week we learn from the words of Jesus when he said, Father, forgive them. Y'all remember that? Father, forgive them. What a powerful statement. We learned that forgiveness is a choice that we make. Jesus made the choice and we too make the same choice that, that it is to forgive. Last week we used the words of Jesus where he said, I thirst. I thirst. And we learned that we must also thirst. Thirst for God's will thirst for God's word, and thirst for God's world. That's, that's really why it's so important that, that we realize that there are people waiting for us to invite them to our Easter service. They're waiting. And if we're thirsty, if we're thirsty, and we're, we're thirsty for God's world, he's thirsty for the world, then we'll be thirsty for the world, and we'll go invite them, and we won't care what they think. You know, some of them are going to say no, and it's not because you invited them. It's not even because of you. It's just, it's just they're not ready, but some of them are ready. We must be thirsty for God's world. We must be. Today, we're going to take a look at, at some more words of Jesus on the cross. Let me, let me kind of set it up real quick to remind you, and some of you may know this, some of you may not, but Jesus was arrested. He was arrested. He was taken before these men who put on these mock trials and they brought in false witnesses to accuse him of things that he didn't do, didn't say. And they, they cried out heresy and they took him and they flogged him. They beat him. 
the Bible tells us they beat him so much and so, 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 so hard that he was unrecognizable even to the eye. He was just, there was a man, you know who it was. And, and they mocked him in front of people. They stripped him naked and humiliated him in front of all kinds of people and laughed at him. They, they spit in his face. They plucked out his beard and they, 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 they put him on a cross. They nailed him to a cross and hung him up on the roadside for every traveler that walked by to look up and see him. And in those days, if you were on the cross, you did something that deserved it. You know, that was the norm. And so people would walk by and they didn't even know what you did. They just, just gave you what for, right? You know, they just, we do that a lot. You know, we, we, we pass judgment, watch, watch Fox news. And all of a sudden we hate everybody, you know, right? Cause that's, you know, that's what they said. That's what they said. And so they just did that. Well, he hung there on the cross. And I'm going to take you to the book of John chapter 19. Verse 28, the writer tells us later, knowing that everything had now been finished and so that scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put the sponge on a stalk of the hyssop plant and lifted it to Jesus's lips. When he had received the drink, watch this, Jesus said, it is finished. Come on, say that with me. It is finished. With that, he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. Come on, I want us to pray right now and just ask God to help us in this. God, help us, Father. Help us, Father, to, to understand the power of these words. Help us to understand the, the principle behind them. God, you hung on the cross and you said, it is finished. God, help us to resolve some things in our lives today. Help us to grasp the bigness not only of these words, but of your great love. I pray for myself. I pray for all the men and women here today that God, that today is a day of transformation for us. God, that we, that we get an inside look at your great love for us. Come on, invite him right now to speak to your heart. We do, God, in Jesus' name, amen. It is finished. The word in the Greek that they they turned into it is finished at the writers as they were as they were interpreting the Bible as tetelestai. Tetelestai means to end, to complete, to execute, or to discharge a debt. It literally means to finish. Tetelestai. It would be like a servant returning from the work field to his master and saying, I've finished the job. It would be like a merchant coming in from a, a long voyage and declaring the debt is paid in full. We've accomplished the mission. Or it would be like a priest in the Old Testament when they would examine the sheep. Some of you have studied, some of you in the one-year Bible and you're reading how the priests are operating and they, they, would, they would take a lamb and they would inspect the lamb and, and it would be like the priest declaring, Tetelestai, the, the lamb is spotless and pure. It's complete. It's whole. It's what Jesus said as he hung on the cross and he had looked back and he had realized he had finished. He had finished his mission. He had finished the mission that he came to earth for, which was to redeem mankind. He had finished the mission. He had lived a sinless life. He had, he had gone the way of the, 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 the lamb that was spotless and he had, he had walked without opening his mouth to the cross of Calvary, to Skull Hill, and he was nailed to a cross. And there he, he, was, he was coherent enough to realize I've done it all. I've accomplished the scriptures that were prophesied about me. I've, I've, I've lived my life in the, the way that God sent me to live. I have finished the race. I'm done. 
Listen to some of the prophecies that Jesus fulfilled. Zechariah prophesied that Jesus would be portrayed for 30 pieces of silver, and he was. Isaiah chapter 53 tells us that Jesus would be rejected, and he was. Isaiah 52 tells us that Jesus would be beaten, and he was. In the book of Psalms chapter 22, it said he would be mocked, and he was. In Zechariah 13, it said he would be forsaken by his friends, and he was. In the book of Isaiah chapter 53, it says that he would be wounded and bruised for our transgressions. And he was, come on, I thought y'all were going to say it with me. And he was, uh, Isaiah 53, y'all are leaning in, I can tell, you want to say it, you want to like, preach it. Uh, in Isaiah chapter 53, it said he would pray for his persecutors, and he did. Isaiah 53, 12 tells us he would be crucified between two thieves, and he was. In Psalms 22, it says the soldiers would cast lots for his clothing, and they did. In the book of Psalm 22, it says he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And he did. Amos 8 tells us that darkness would befall the land, and it did. Psalm 34 says his bones would not be broken, and they were not. Psalm 22 tells us his hands and feet would be pierced, and they were. Jesus said, Tetelestai, it is finished. Jesus came, he did the job, and he completed the assignment that God sent him to do. And that's the good news. The bad news is, if there's bad news in this, we're not finished. We're not finished yet. We haven't finished the course. We haven't finished the assignment. And so today I want to take this, this idea that it is finished, tetelestai, and I want, to, I want to begin to apply it to our lives and help us to see maybe there are some things that are unfinished in our life that God wants us to work on. Are you ready? The book of Revelation helps us to see this. In the book of Revelation, Jesus is writing through the, through the John the Revelator. John is, is there with Jesus, and he said, write this down, give it to the church, to us, the church people. And he said in Revelation 3, Jesus said in verse 1, to the angel of the church of Sardis, write, these are the words of him who holds the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. He's talking about himself. He said this, I know your deeds. You have a, a reputation of being alive. Come on, somebody say, I am alive but you're dead. This kind of like changes the attitude, right? Verse two, wake up, strengthen what remains and is about to die. For I have found your deeds unfinished in the sight of my God. He says, hey, I have heard that your reputation is you're alive, you're doing it, man, you're going, you're running the race. However, you're not really. Basically, you're maintaining, you're, you're holding the status quo, you're, you're resting in your accomplishments, but you're not moving forward, and, and that's not God's best, that's not God's design, God's desire for your life, he has more for you, you've got to wake up, right, wake up, and say, oh, hold up, hold up, I can't just coast to the end, I've got to run the race, I've got to keep pumping, man. What is it that I've got to do next? What is it that I have failed to do? Because he says here, I have found your deeds unfinished. There's a good question in that. What, what have I failed to finish? You could ask yourself that question today. What have I failed to finish in my life? You know what? As I studied for this message, I was actually talking to my wife, and, and, and we were talking about some unfinished things maybe that we have in our lives, and, and, and she reminded me uh, of probably one of the things that marked me uh, more than most anything in my whole life. And, and, and this happened when I was a young guy. I was 20 years old, 20 years old, and uh, I got married. I got married, when, and I consider that to be young, young for sure in my mind. You know, uh, y'all know that, that 
that, that men track kind of behind women, you know, like about five years. Do y'all realize that immaturity? You know, so 20 in men's life is like 25 in women's life. I should have waited, but I didn't. I got married when I was 20 years old, just a young kid in my head. And I wasn't serving God. I was just serving myself. And, and wow, the marriage just was, it was not good. It was not good. I wasn't a very good husband, put it that way. And after a few years, um, I lost her. I lost her. And, you know, I, I, I realized looking back, that was not God's best. Uh, his best is for marriage to be till death do you part, correct? Right? That's what the word says. And I realized that. But back then, young, not too smart, not a good husband, and I lost her. And I remember a few months later standing on the beach in Gulfport, down at the end of Hughes Avenue. I was just there all alone in the middle of the night. And I remember, I, remember I, I, had, I had experienced God through this process. And I had learned what it meant to experience God's love and and he had changed my heart and, and he had helped me to see that um, I had unfinished business. I, I stood on the beach and I said, I said, uh, God, if, if you'll just give me a mate to spend the rest of my life with, I'll be the best husband ever, the greatest husband ever. Now I could have, I could have just beat myself up. I could have said, Mike, you're just a dummy, you failed just crawl under a rock and die, you know? I mean, I could have just looked at my life and said, what a terrible husband you were. But instead, God, God prompted me and I responded by saying, you know what, I've got unfinished business. I can still be a good husband. And that day marked me. Matter of fact, that whole experience marked me. And as I tracked forward, I had this idea in my mind that I could change me and I could be a better husband. Matter of fact, I, I, I remember committing to God that day. And I said, God, if you'll, if you'll give me a mate, I will be. And I committed to that. I said, I will be a good husband. What unfinished business do you have in your life? Right now today, maybe it's to adopt a child or become a foster parent. Or maybe it's to forgive somebody like we shared a few weeks ago in the message. Or, or maybe it's to get out of debt, pay off those credit cards. Or maybe it's to try to reconcile with someone that you have a disagreement with. Or maybe for you it's to finish college. What unfinished business do you have in your life? Maybe it's to take someone in your home or to take care of a loved one who's elderly. What unfinished business do you have in your life? Maybe it's to share your faith or to invite someone into your world or to invite someone to your church or to be generous and give something away. Maybe it's to deal with sin in your life. What unfinished business do you have? Are you, are you able to say about the actions of your life, tetelestai, it is finished? Probably not. Probably not. A famous leadership teacher says the greatest gap in life is the one between knowing and doing. And it's so true. So often we have good intentions. So often we realize, you know, I started that project. Come on, man. How many of you started a project at home and it's still there waiting for you? You know, how many ladies tell me how many ladies say, yeah, that's him. Right. You know, it's oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. My wife's got a list and, and it's it's long. So we've got some unfinished business, guys. We've got to we've got to realize and take ownership for them. We've got to own our unfinished business. I want to give you a couple of steps today, a couple of things maybe that can help you to, to, to stir some motivation in you, to stir this desire to say tetelestai one day, to look back and say, I've finished the race. First thing I would challenge you to do is you've got to make a commitment. Society around us says, don't commit. Don't commit. Don't go all in. Keep your options open. Don't get tied down. Weigh your options, you know, live and let live. Just be free, don't commit, but that's not God's way. God's way says in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 11, now finish the work. Somebody say finish. finish. 
Watch this. So that your eager willingness to do it, that's just good intentions, right? So that your eager willingness to do it may be matched by your completion of it. That's a big deal, according to your means. God wants us to finish the work. You know, I'm, I look back at that day on the beach and I realized, I realized that I have got to change something in my life. Because if I don't change, I'm going to be the same husband to my next spouse as I was the first go round, and that was bad. And I had to make a commitment. I made a commitment to God. I made a commitment to myself. I made a commitment to my next spouse, even though I didn't even know her yet. I made a commitment to be a great husband. You gotta make a commitment in life if you're going to finish things. 15, 19, long time ago, there was a man named Hernan Cortez. Some of you history buffs may have heard of him. He was a, 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 a conquest guy. He wanted to go out and just conquer and so he took men, he had 600 men, 100 sailors and 500 soldiers, and they went on 11 boats and they sailed from the European continent all the way over to the new land and they explored and they, they conquered and, and they heard through the storytelling that there was a great treasure to be had on the Mexican plateau. And they were, they were at the Yucatan Peninsula and they came to the, the decision that they were going to conquer the Aztec culture and take their gold and jewels, they were gonna take it all. And, and remember, he was a conqueror, that's what he did, but know this, that there were many many, many conquerors that had gone ahead of him and failed because the Aztec people were no pushover. So he rallied his men and he gave them these eloquent speeches and got them all pumped up and they sailed from the Yucatan Peninsula over to the Mexican Plateau and they landed on the beach and he got all the men off the boats and they got on the beach and gathered around, remember 600 men, and they were ready to, to go and charge and take the gold and he, and he motivated them one last time with a speech. And at the end of the speech, he finished up with three words three words to stir their commitment. He looked at the men and he said, burn the boats. Burn the boats. You can imagine being one of those guys right there, you know, any reluctancy you might have had went up in flames, literally, boom. <laughs> burn the boats and that was the commitment. They went on with a resolve to conquer and they did, they conquered and took all the gold of the Aztec people and all of their jewels and they became wealthy. We must go all in with commitment to finish, tetelestai, to finish those things which God stirs in us to start and we, we have started and so many of us have failed to finish. We must go all in. Jesus himself had an all in moment. We see Jesus in a garden the night before he was arrested and, and, and put on trial. We see him in a garden and the Bible tells us he was sweating, sweating blood or sweating droplets of sweat that were as blood drops falling down his face and hitting the ground. He was in an intense posture and he, and he prayed and he prayed to God and he said, Father, if there's any way and if you're willing Take this cup from me. I mean, you know, he, he knew what he was headed into. Matter of fact, he knew if nothing, for nothing else, for no other reason, because of the prophecies about what he would go through. He knew what he was fixing to experience and the pain and the hardship. And he said, Father, if there's any other way, take this cup. Yet, not my will, but yours be done. This was his all-in moment. And we see back... Not, not long before in the scriptures where Jesus had an all-in moment when the devil tempted him in the wilderness and Jesus responded and beat the devil that day. But here in the garden, he responded and he beat the flesh. And some of us, 
that all-in moment is going to say to our flesh, to our, to our fleshly desires, to our, our desire to just say, it doesn't matter. I'm not that big a deal. I, I don't have to do that. Hey, I've done a lot of other things, right? Just, just, just don't worry about that one thing I haven't finished. It, it, it's, it's beating that. It's saying, I'm all-in. I'm going to finish the race that I started. I'm not going to cower down, chicken out, fail. I'm going to say, tetelestai. It is finished. So we must make a commitment. The second thing, once you've made the commitment, is that you've got to take the next step. There's got to be action that goes with our commitment. Isn't this true? Isn't that the truth? We have to take action. Galatians 5.25 tells us, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is saying, come on, let's go. One of the things that I, I just in my mind, I, I, I love to take, like paint pictures of of scripture so that I can wrap my mind around them. And one of the pictures I have in the, in the, in, as I read the scriptures is that Jesus says, come here, Mike, let me just grab you by the hand and take you on an adventure. And every day is a new adventure. What are we going to see today? What are we going to do today? Who are we going to meet today? Let's live the adventure. The Holy Spirit has a, has a cadence about him, a step, step, step about him. And so often if we're disconnected from God or if we're distant, distant friends of God, you know what I'm saying? You know, just watching him through the scriptures, but not really engaging God. Then we're just watching God do things around us. But when we connect with God, when we grab God's hand, when we commit, when we get all in, all of a sudden we begin to get in step with the Holy Spirit. I remember one time uh, learning this, uh, it was through a, a small group teaching that, that, that it's important that we don't just try to do something for God, but that we look around us and see what is God doing and join him in that work. And, and that gets us in step with God. The Holy Spirit's moving and working around us. And, and if we'll get in step with him, grab the Holy Spirit's hand, grab God's hand, experience God in a real personal way, and we begin to walk out, walk out this life that God has given us, we'll begin to take the next steps. And you know, one of the first things that'll happen is you'll have to face your fears. Fears are for real, man. Fears are, for real. fears are for real and we've got to face them. We've got to, we've got to look at them and say, you know what? There's a possibility I'm going to get hurt. There's a possibility that I'm, I'm going to experience some things that I'm not comfortable with. There's a possibility. There's a possibility. If I take next steps in this commitment, there's a possibility I'm going to be rejected. But we face those fears and we take those steps. I go back to the beach that night. I made that commitment and I said, God, if you'll give me someone to live my life with, another spouse, God, I will be the greatest husband that I can be. And I remember going to work on that. I remember buying DVDs. I remember, well, actually I bought VCR tapes. Y'all remember what those are, right? <laughs> Big blocks, things. I, I, I bought tapes and I went, I was just talking to some friends who were believers and I said, you know, I want to be a good husband. I, I can be a good husband. And they said, Hey, I got some tapes for you. You know, and some of them were even unwatched tapes and they gave them to me. He's doing the rapper, you know, I'm thinking my win, your loss. But I watched those tapes. Matter of fact, one of them was a uh, Gary Smiley. How many of you heard of Gary Smiley? Come on, I want to see, just raise your hand if you heard of Gary Smiley. That's so good that, that at least five of you have, because he's one of the greatest marriage teachers that I've ever, ever heard, you know, and I, back in the day, even, you know, he was, he was like the only one. So it, it was so good man I watched his tape hidden keys to loving relationships about 5,000 times I watched it so much that Gary wasn't even Gary anymore he was just a, a fuzzy thing on the TV but I could still hear him and I watched it over and over and over and over and over and I got all those hidden keys in me <laughs> and I went to work and I took steps and it wasn't all at once matter of fact over the course of a year I watched that tape over and over again and other tapes and read books and and took steps 
Little steps, baby steps. Not big steps. You know, that's intimidating. I know some of you are thinking, I, I mean, you know, maybe it's to get out of debt. You just say, that's my, that's my unfinished business. But to think of the massive oh, undertaking that would be to get out of debt, it's, Pastor Mike, that's just too much. That's too much. I just can't. I'm not ready for that. Yeah, well, of course you're not. Nobody is. But when you make the commitment and you begin to take the next steps, it's one little step at a time. I remember my wife and I's desire to get out of debt. And you know what the first thing we did? We went to the bank and we sat down with our, our, our bank person and we said, tell us what to do. Hello, <laughs> you know, we had no idea. Let's get out of debt, baby. Yeah, I don't know what to do. All I know how to do is work and get a paycheck and give it away to everybody else because that's what happened, you know. And man, we went and, and the, the bank teller that they said, oh, look, here's what we can do. We can do this, A, B, C, one, two, three. And we walked away crying just like, Thank you, Jesus, that somebody's got some brains in them, you know, and they, they helped us. They helped us to get on course, but it was, it was a baby step. It was uncomfortable. I had to go and look at somebody and say, I don't make very much money, uh, and, I, and, I, and I'm not paying my bills like I should. You know, I had to do that, but it was, it was for real, and it was, we took those steps, and it's just baby steps that we take to get on the course. We took a risk. You know, as I read the Bible, I see Jesus. He got arrested and he got beaten, mocked. His, his face was spit in by men that he created. And as he headed to Calvary, they put a, a cross on his back. And I just visualize this. And, and, and Jesus took one step at a time. And he went down this hilly road, one step at a time, with a cross on his back. You know, I, I, I know that every step he took, he could have said, all right, that's enough, I'm finished. He could have, but he didn't. He took one step at a time, one step at a time, because he had, he had us on his mind, and he knew that he had to finish. He had to, he had to hang on that cross, not just carry it. And I believe just inside me, I believe that part of the reason, I'm sure there were so many, but part of the reason was that, that we could be encouraged to take our next steps to the finish line, to be able to say, Telestai, it is finished. Jesus took his, we must take ours. The third thing in the process, once you make a commitment and you begin taking those steps, is that you need to go public. You need to let somebody know. Now, now, now don't, don't just throw it out there on Facebook. You know, don't just say, hey, everybody, watch this. You know, famous last words. No, 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 no. You've got, you've got to find somebody in your life that you trust. Somebody in your life. It might be your spouse. It might be your, your adult children. It might be a friend in small group. It might be someone you're serving on a team with in, in the parking lot or children's ministry. It might be your parents. It might be a neighbor. You find somebody that you can trust and you say, here's what God's dealing with me on. I have some unfinished business and I want to just... I want to get it out of me. I want to get it out of me and share it with you. Number one, I, I need to get it out of me because it, when it's in me, it's good intentions. And when I get it out and I share it with you, now there's this measure of accountability. There's this, there's this I expect now that I've got to do something because you know. <laughs> and I don't want to be a failure in your eyes. And so you get it out. You go public. You get it out and, and you share it with others. And, and, and in that, you're going to share it with somebody who might have some feedback with you. They may not. They may just say, dude, get after it. Go ahead. Or they may say, wow, you know what? 
I experienced that same thing. And this is some things that I learned on my journey. Wow. And we grow in that process. Or, 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 or maybe that when you get down, when you get out there and you say, I'm going to do it. March, 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 march. And you just stop. That you got somebody to put their arm around you and say, hey, it's all right. Everybody slows down at some point in their life. Come on. You ready for this? Let's do this. Come on. March, march, march. Let's get back in the game. Right. So somebody there to just to, to breathe life on you. To be a friend, to cheer you on. You know, as a church, we, uh, we, we have, you know, over the last 20, 30 years, the church has grown. Every year, marked growth every year. And, and it's just so good because growth means people, right? Souls are being saved and, and discipled and, and followers of Christ are, are growing up to know him in, in greater ways, right? And so we, we believe as a church that we have a responsibility, the staff, we have a responsibility in this thing, not to just coast, right? Not to just let it roll and hey, hope, hope we go this year. No, 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 no. We have a responsibility. So as a, as a staff and under Pastor Van's leadership, we have connected with some folks that are ahead of us that are, that are friends of Northwood. They're just guys out there that are doing it and, and actually, this latest organization we've connected with is called Relate Coaching. And they're willing to coach us. They're willing to tell us, hey, this is some things we've done that you might can learn from. And really all it is is, is friends. That's why the word relates in there. You know, it's just friends, people, regular guys. But we're connecting with this, this organization. It's, and, and I hate to even call it an organization. We're connecting with some friends in Florida. How's that? That, that, that they're going to speak into our lives and help us as a staff create environments for you as people to bring your friends into for them to experience God in such great ways that their lives are changed. We have a responsibility to take next steps and we have a responsibility to go public, to invite people into our world. The last thing, the last thing as we move forward towards the finish line is we've got to know that God is with us. God is with us. Philippians 1.6 says, being confident of this. He who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. God's your biggest cheerleader. He's your greatest fan. He wants you to finish those unfinished things in your life. As a matter of fact, in most cases, he's the one who put them in there to begin with. Just dreams, goals, desires. I would like to's. He put them in there. And then we began with excitement and then we quit. And all over the room right now, if we, if we had the time, we'd take, we'll go microphone to microphone all across the room and everybody's got some unfinished business. Things that you, you just, you know, you want to finish, you know you need to finish, but you haven't finished. And some of them are big. Some of them are really big. Some of them are like forgiveness. Some of them are like reconciliation. Some of them, some of them are just small things. But they're all important. And God's with you and he's for you and he wants you to make it. He wants you to finish race. He wants you to be able to stand at the end and say, die." I finished the work that God gave me. I finished the work that he called me to do. I finished the race strong. I didn't quit. Jesus inspires us when he says, die." He inspires us to ourselves finish the race. Let me wrap up with a story. In 1968, in the Mexico City Olympics, a man named John Stephen Akwari from Tanzania was running the race with all these other runners and he, and he fell, he tripped and he fell. And he busted his knee up, he dislocated his knee, skinned it up really bad, blood was gushing out and they ran over and they began to tape him up. And as they were taping him up, 56 other runners ran past him on this 26.2 mile run and they finished the race. One hour later, after the race had finished and all the fans had begun exiting the stadium where they had finished up, one hour later, the courageous runner 
John Stephen Akwari entered the stadium. Though most of the fans had already left the stadium, he had to finish the race. Hmm. He had to finish. After the race, when the reporters came around, they interviewed John. This was his, this was his remark. This was his, his statement after all of that. My country did not send me 5,000 miles to start a race. They sent me 5,000 miles to finish a race. We must finish. The question I leave you with today, what unfinished business do you have? Make the commitment. Take the next steps. Go public and know that God is with you. Let's finish our race Come on, get alone with God right we are. We're going to ask God to really seal this up in us today. We're going to pray. Father, oh, help us. Help us, help us. I know right now, Father, all over the room, there's sweat beads, sweat beads popping out on people's heads because they know what they have to do. Maybe, maybe they're not as, as big as the ones that Jesus sweat in the garden, but maybe they are. Maybe they are because it's a big deal. We've got to finish the race. Holy Spirit, you have stirred something in us today and we don't want to leave it alone we don't want to walk out of here and 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 neglect this challenge from our God and so God we're asking you for some grace right now to finish the race some grace to embrace the task at hand come on ask him right now just you ask him he's here he's listening just say God would you give me some grace to do this Come on, he's listening for your voice. He, 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 he loves you so much. And he wants you to know he's cheering you on to finish the race. Come Holy Spirit. God, as we lay in bed at night, as we rise early to, to look at this thing, God, we're given, we're given to, to finish the race. And we need you to just show us how. Take the steps we've learned today and show us how to apply that in our situation. I pray, God, for every man and woman that today would be the day they look back on to say, that was the day I picked the baton up and I finished the race. You know, some of you are here today and your unfinished business is that you've, you've never connected with God. And he's here today because he loves you. and He wants you to know he's not mad at you. He's actually madly in love with you. <laughs> and he wants you today to choose his way to choose the Jesus life. Some of you are here today and you did choose Jesus when you were a little kid, maybe eight, 10, 12 years old. You walked an aisle, you prayed a prayer, you joined a church, but slowly over the years, you've walked away. You've walked away and now it's been many, many years. Some of you 10, 20, 30 years have gone by and you're so far from God, you really don't even know him. And he's here today to say, I still love you just like I did in the beginning. And he wants to connect with you today. He wants to connect with you today. If you are away from God or you have never connected, he wants to connect with you today. Nobody's looking around right now. What I'd like to do is pray for you. Those of you that are wanting to connect with God, he's stirring your heart today, he's drawing you. I wanna pray for you right where you are, right there in that seat. I'm not, not gonna ask you to stand up or come up front. I wanna pray for you right where you are. If that's you and you say, Pastor, please include me in that prayer, I'm ready. You know, the Bible tells us, the Bible tells us in the book of Romans, it says this, if we'll believe in our heart that Jesus died for our sins and we'll confess it with our mouth, it says this, it says we will be saved. That's God's promise to us. He doesn't make it as complicated as we make it, that we would be saved. 
So if that's you and you say, Pastor, I'm ready for that. All I'm going to ask you to do, just as a, just as a sign to God, just as an a acknowledgement of God's grace, all I'm going to ask you to do is slip your hand up and put it right back down. Just slip it up and put it right back down. God bless you, 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 God bless you. Come on, right there. God bless you, God bless you on the side. God bless you, sir. Somebody else. Somebody else. You said, that's me. God bless you, sir. Come on, Jesus is here. God bless you, ma'am, on the side there. Jesus is here. He loves you so much. Come on, thank you, Jesus. Come on, those of you that raise your hand, I'm gonna say a simple prayer. I wanna encourage you to pray it as well. Maybe you can help us, folks. Say something like this. Say, God in heaven. Come on, help me out. Say, God in heaven. Please forgive me for my sins. I turn from them today, and I ask you to save me. Come live inside of me. Teach me to know you. Teach me to love you. I give you all of me, Jesus, and I receive all of you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, everybody just look at me real quick. Those of you that raised your hand, those of you that prayed that prayer, I, I want you to see something real quick, real quick. This is what happens. When we say, God, please forgive me, he says, I take that and I forgive your sins. You need to hear that. You need to hear that with your ears. God says to you today, if you prayed that prayer and you meant it from your heart, God says, your sins are forgiven. And now you know what he's saying? Now, let's go. Let's live the adventure. Hold his hand. Walk with God. Let him show you the way. Let him show you. He'll connect you to people. <laughs> He'll connect you to people. He'll connect you to the word of God. He'll show you what your life could look like. He will help you finish the race and be able to say at the end of your life, Tetelestai, I did it. Come on, let's give it up for those who made decisions today. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. The decision to follow Christ is just the beginning of your relationship with God. So we'd love to help you with your next steps. If you'll go to northwood.tv connect and fill out the information, our lead pastor, Van DeCody, wants to send you a letter that tells you some steps to take in order to maintain your new relationship with God. We'll also give you some information about Northwood Church. We are one church in multiple locations. We have a campus in Gulfport, Wiggins, and Long Beach. If you live in one of those areas, we'd love to see you at one of our services. You can visit our website, northwood.tv locations, for service times and directions. If you'd like to give to this ministry, you can do that online as well. Just go to northwood.tv give. You can give a one-time donation, or you can sign up for our online community called MyNC and set up a recurring gift. Thanks again for joining us today. We'll see you next time.